As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome back. I'm Dane Brugler, joined as always with NFL.com's Lance Zerline. This is the Athletic Football Show, our midweek NFL Draft Edition. Today, we're going to take a look at Lance's updated mock draft. You can find that at NFL.com. Go check it out. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, a fun exercise where kind of look at uh, in the bargain bin. You know, if you can't get prospect A in the first round, who's another player later on in the draft who fits a similar profile? Uh, just at a cheaper price, uh, and you know we can talk about the pros and cons of that. So uh, we're, we're going to debate some of those players, but like I said, first let's jump into this mock draft. Uh, Lance, I, I know you, your favorite thing to do in life is mock drafts. How is it putting this one? Together? Oh man, it's such a blessing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know what though? Here's what's here's it's a problem for me just because it starts off smoothly for about the first six picks and then it quickly unravels because I I'm kind of a perfectionist with mock drafts and that's a bad combination because it's impossible to find it's a Sudoku that cannot be properly finished it will always leave you unsatisfied and once you start going back so this mock took me close to 11 hours Um, and that will sound crazy to some people but you have to understand that I go back and mess with this. I mess with that. I go check salary cap figures for players that are currently on rosters to anticipate moves. Um, I do, you know, I do a lot of research with um, team needs where I'll look at a lot of different sources, including uh, beat writers. I went to the athletics searching and scouring, as a matter of fact, for some of them. I went nice. to uh, Dan Parr and Chase Goodbread did a great job of putting together uh, team needs on the NFL.com page. I like to check fan sites because I think some fan sites do a really good job of of mm-hmm. uh, putting together team needs. I think they have a good feel uh, for, for their teams. And so, you know, that's a big important part of it. But then once my problem, Dane, is once I start to – okay, projecting trades is fun and sometimes it's helpful in terms of making the pieces fit a little bit better for you, but also anticipating teams that have, you know, that, that are more likely to move up and that have the draft capital uh, to do such. But when you start going back and making changes, once I'm at, or once I start talking to people who might be in the league and they say, where do you have this player? And I say 22. I'm like, no, 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 they'll definitely be gone by then. Yeah. Well, now I'm looking to, I'm not just going to let that ride. I might on Mach 1.0, but not at 3.0. And so I start finding a place to, you know, to, 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 to put this player. And then all of a sudden there's a domino effect of players that I'm having to move. And I, I blew up and reassembled my draft two or three times yesterday, last night. Uh, well, I should say we're recording, but it was Sunday night at that particular time. And, um, it, it just got to where it was driving me crazy because I'm trying to get this perfect mock. And that's <laughs> a, that's an absolutely impossible um, exercise because every year 
drafts have three to four crazy things that happen every single year, which is what makes it funny when people criticize us about our our aggressive movements and projections and mock drafts as if everything is going to be smooth through any draft. It's never smooth through any draft. And you're going to have players that you don't expect hit the first round. There's, I mean, it's an exercise in futility. It really is. Um, and so I, I actually, I'm working on my seven round mock, which comes out later this, this week. Oh my and God. trust me, I, I'm in the fourth round right now. And I've, just got some information that I need to go back to the first round and change a few things. And there's going to be a domino effect that is just, I'm not looking forward to. So trust me, I, I feel your pain. Uh, it, it's cause yeah, I mean, I, we don't, we don't do just, just do mocks just to do them. I mean, you really want to no. uh, best explain every single pick for, you know, the, the exact reasoning why you think they're going to happen based on what you're hearing, not based on your own opinion on the player or what you think teams should do, but based on what you're hearing, basing on based on trends. Uh, and so for so let's dive into your mock now. Uh, do you have a little bit of shakeup at the top? And this is something that we've talked about before uh, at, at number one with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the betting favorite. I have, uh, I, I know they like Aiden Hutchinson. The question is, would they like Trevon Walker maybe a little bit more and that upside that he offers? And I would not be surprised at all. And that, in, in fact, that's exactly what you have at number one. Was that was that something that you uh, wrestled with? Is that something that was pretty easy for you to do at number one? Uh, talk talk to your thought process there with Trevon Walker to the Jets. No, it was easy. I, I, I had some information given to me about three weeks ago. And so um, it was a pretty reliable source and said I should plug in Trevon Walker at number one in, in my, my next mock draft. And uh, we went through it, and I heard the talking point of Trent Baalke loves, you know, he's the guy that had Alden Smith, mm-hmm. and he's going to see this kid is the same as Alden Smith. And, you know, I've done this long enough to know that the traits, when he had his workout, there was no doubt to me Trayvon Walker was going to shoot up the boards. But then in talking to NFL teams, that's the guy that they are getting a little bit excited about anyway at the Combine. But yeah. then his Combine was was big time. His testing was huge. He has these long 35-plus arms, which, you know, um, you know that's kind of rare length. And then for, for his size, and then you factor in he's an elite run defender. He's physical. He has very high football character. And then, you know, other people, I still want to see pass rush. I still, you know, I'm still curious about if I'm going to see more rush than I saw on tape once he's playing a little wider outside. Um, But it it just, it's more likely that a projectable player, I saw it happen with Mario Williams when he was at NC State over Reggie Bush and Vince Young, who were two hot names that yeah. year in 2006. But the guy that was the tester who had rare physical traits was the guy that moved up the boards to number one. So that wasn't unusual. Now, I'll tell you what is, and here's a little pulling back the curtain. This is what's concerning me a little bit. Because I've been around also long enough for people to throw, I recognize when I'm dealing with smokescreen, and I also have friends who are going to be honest with me about information and I have to guard that information. Um, the person that gave me that information, I, I feel like is very honest with me and gets good information and, and he's helped in the past. The problem is I'm hearing the same talking points <clears throat> now with Pete Schrager used that. Um, the other day I heard uh, it was either Ian Rappaport or Mike Garofalo, uh last week, I think used it and maybe even Field Yates has used it. So now we're talking about three or four different guys in the media have said the same thing that I had told to me three weeks ago. Right. And so now I'm concerned, okay, now wait a minute. Is this being put out there? Are the Jaguars getting this out there to people? Now, the, the, the next question becomes, why would they do that? Well, mm-hmm. they would potentially do that if they know that he's the hot name. It's not going to be a quarterback this year. So maybe if he's the hot name, you have the Texans trade up from three to one. Maybe you have the Lions trade up from two to one. Maybe they are trying to bait someone at one, two, three, or four into moving up 
uh, and and all of those teams have additional draft capital. Maybe they're trying to bait a team to move up and take and take Trayvon Walker. So when I got the information, I thought this is good information. It checks out with what I would expect to see a team do. But then when I'm hearing multiple people using the same talking points about Alden Smith, that's where I start to become a little bit concerned about, wait a minute now, is this something that has been put out there? By the way, I I would give Jacksonville tremendous credit if they had done that. If you have the first pick, you really don't have to smokescreen anything unless you're trying to get someone to come up and take your pick. So at this point, um, I think Trayvon Walker is going to be the pick, but I will say Pete Schrager from Good Morning Football is now the fourth person, uh, either third or fourth person I've heard use the same. It, it sounds exactly the same. And you may remember Trent Baalke was at, at uh, San Francisco and drafted right. Alden Smith. And, and I'm like, wait a minute, this, this thing, I mean, this matrix, this glitch in the matrix keeps going over and over and over. So now I'm a little bit concerned about whether that info is a plant or whether everyone's just getting good info. Well, and I mean, I don't know, Lance, I, you and I both have some similar sources. I know that because, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I've heard the same thing um, and it makes sense. Like it's I don't think it's maybe specific to one source, because I think it does make sense. that it's something that has been circulating around. Um, I, it would be I think it'd be surprising, but it wouldn't be uh, shocking. Put it that way. If Trevon Walker is the number one pick for for those reasons, um, uh, the upside. Uh, and, and again, I think people need to this isn't just based on the combine. Trevon Walker was a top 10 pick before the combine. That, like, like, that's very important for uh, everybody to understand. So this isn't just based off of him running around uh, in Indianapolis. Th- this is based off of the traits that he puts on film and what you think he's going to be. I, the, the draft is all about projecting. It's all about uh, you know not what you have done. It's what you're going to do. It's, it's, it's projecting forward. And Aiden Hutchinson's a good player. But if Trevon Walker has a super ceiling and you think that he's going to get there, then you roll the dice. Uh, it's 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 definitely a uh, maybe a juxtaposition of you know talking about ceiling and floor because Aiden Hutchinson I don't think has a super high ceiling, but he's got a super high floor. You know what you're getting with Aiden Hutchinson. Where Trevon Walker, I think he's got a, a fairly decent floor as well, just because of all the traits and you know like you mentioned high football character, all the all those things. But he also has that high ceiling, uh, and that's what you're betting on with him at one. So uh, I, I give you credit for doing it. Javon Walker at one. Aiden Hutchinson, no uh, no surprise then at number two uh, to Detroit. Uh, three, you went with Evan Neal. And this is where you, we got a little bit of run on offensive linemen here with Neal at three, um, Charles Cross at six, and Iquandu at seven. What made you go in that order uh, with Neal, Cross, Iquandu? Well, so a lot of people are plugging three defensive ends back to back to back at one, two, three right now. And I don't think Kayvon Thibodeau is a Texan. <clears throat> I don't believe that he is going to check the football character boxes that Nick Casario and Jack Easterby and Lovey Smith are going to want. Um, that's not to, that's not a slam of the person. I just I know how the Texans move. And I don't think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a fit for what they're looking for. So once I once I moved out of Kayvon Thibodeau, I had to work through the fact that Lovey Smith needs an edge rusher. And so I thought about Jermaine uh, Johnson. And I, I thought, you know, I, I texted a couple of people in the league and said, hey, how close do you think Jermaine Johnson and Kayvon Thibodeau are? Like, how do you – how closely do you have those guys rated? And both people – that answered said they had Thibodeau ahead of um, Jermaine Johnson, which I do as well, but they didn't have it by a lot. So I tried to say, okay, can I talk myself into, is this something that Lovey Smith and Nick Casario might do? But the more I went through it, you know, Evan Neal, I, I looked, I went and did the research on Laramie Tunsil's cap number because I, I thought I had this right. And I did. Laramie Tunsil basically is a, an easy cap cut after this year. So playing Evan Neal at right tackle this year in place of Charlie Heck and even Titus uh, Howard, who is not the draft pick of Nick Casario, and that's something to remember every time you're looking at 
former first-round picks, Russ Blacklock and Titus Howard, those two guys who were early picks from Bill O'Brien's regime, they're not Nick Casario's. So he doesn't have any reason to stick with guys if he doesn't believe in them. And so um, the Texans need guard help. They need right tackle. And then after 2022, I believe that they will need left tackle because I think they'll move on from Laramie Tunsil's uh, contract hit. And that's why I decided let's go Evan Neal here and he will be either a right tackle or a guard in year one, but then will eventually become the left tackle for the Houston Texans. Now, Charles Cross, when I went to Carolina, my thought process was Iki Aquanu is the better prospect, the higher ceiling, but he's going to be a little bumpier early on in his career, I think, with pass protection stuff. And I'm not 100% sure that every team is going to see him as a tackle. I think a lot of teams are going to see him as a guard. And I think one of the things that Carolina needs is they need tackle help, and they need it fairly quickly. And uh, for me, I think both players can be plug-and-play players. I just think you're more likely to get more consistency from the tackle position at cross. I think Equanu has greater long-term uh, long-term talent and a higher ceiling, but I just kind of looked at Carolina as choosing to go with the surefire left tackle, the guy they were sure was a left tackle, and a guy who could step in and, and start right away. So that's why I decided. I didn't anticipate going crossover Aquanu, but once I got there, um, I felt more comfortable putting him with Carolina. And then I thought that made it a fairly easy move because the fifth pick for for uh, uh, the Giants, I had Thibodeau at, at five, so it made it easier to go get my offensive lineman Aquanu with the seventh pick. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Well, and here, that's the struggle with Thibodeau. Um, you mentioned how you didn't think Houston would be a natural fit. Uh, I question if, you know, the Giants with a first-year general manager and that franchise, if they're going to see Thibodeau as a football character fit. And, and that's that's the struggle we're going to have with Thibodeau with a lot of these uh, you know, uh, projections, uh, you know, the possibilities. Because, yeah, he could go three, could go four, could go five. Uh, there's a lot of places that Thibodeau could go in the top ten. Uh, but it's at, at a certain point, a franchise is going to be like, okay, you know, the the talent, the uh, uh, ability, uh, what he offers to our team is just too great to uh, pass up here. You know, we'll, we'll give a little bit on some of the other questions. And at some point, that's going to happen. It's just... When is that going to be? Is it four in the Jets? Is it five in the Giants? Like you, like you have it with Thibodeau. Uh, that that's an interesting. One of the more interesting storylines of the first round is going to be that which team, which franchise feels the most comfortable about Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, it just you know the fact that uh, he's a really talented player, but there are just questions off the field. So you've got him to the Giants, and so you've got Thibodeau and. Uh, Iquanu, uh, five and seven, uh, pretty, I mean, that's, that's a, for a first show general manager, getting the pass rusher and the offensive lineman, uh, nice little coup for them. Uh, you had sauce Gardner going forward to the jets, uh, and then the Falcons, Garrett Wilson. So no quarterback in the top eight. And this is, this is what I struggle with, with doing a mock draft right now is figuring out these quarterbacks. Um, you did not have a quarterback going in a top 10. Which uh, you know, I, I you and I have talked before uh, on the plot about we just a quarterback at two just does not seem um, likely at all. Um, but six, eight, those two spots, Carolina and Atlanta, those are two interest, interesting spots for a quarterback. How strongly did you consider quarterbacks at those two spots? I I did 
Um, and I have, and I have put quarterback inside the top ten in the past in my last mock. But you know, here's what it came down to: with Matt Rule, he needs to win now. And I think any quarterback that you draft, especially if it's a the high ceiling, lower floor, um, Malik Willis, I think Malik needs time. And when you have a, a head coach who is making some personnel decisions and who is heavily involved in personnel and frankly who I think is going to be on the hot seat this year a lot of times those types of head coaches who had that type of personnel sway will just avoid um, drafting developmental quarterbacks because it's just uh, it takes a lot of guts to draft a player who may not benefit you and to do what's right potentially by the organization. And I don't know that Malik Willis is the right pick at six, regardless of how you, you know, of how you view that situation. But I I just said, you know what? I, I don't think they're going to draft a developmental quarterback right now if Matt Rule has his say so on personnel. And then in Atlanta, you know, it came down to this. I think Atlanta is going to stink this year. And mm-hmm. Atlanta has good draft capital. And I just simply did one glance into the 2023 quarterback class, and I just basically said, you know what, Atlanta, why don't you sit this one out, take your L's next year, and get in the sweepstakes for a quarterback next year. That's how I looked at it with Atlanta. Yeah, and I, it's, I mean, that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of teams are going to be looking that way, uh, looking at next year and, you know, Str- C.J. Stroud and, and uh, Bryce Young. I mean, it, it's, it is tough because not every front office has that – stability um has that security where they f- feel confident looking towards the 2023 draft and you know really planning for that but that's the smart way to approach this um instead of just taking the best that you're you know have to offer this year but i think it also depends on how each one of these teams uh, you know carolina how do they really view kenny pickett um you know how does atlanta really view malik willis um if they if they view malik willis as a guy that they think is going to be a top 10 quarterback in the league uh, down the road, then can you really pass on them? Probably not. Uh, but it, it's in the Falcons that are, they're at a weird spot in there, uh, you know, with where they're at in this turnover and this rebuild, uh, because they still, they're, you know, the cap's a mess. I mean, they're, they're next year, next off seasons when they should have a lot of cap space. Um, but you know, your quarterback, that's one year off the, off the ticker, you know, and he's only got four years left on that uh, rookie contract. So, but Malik Willis is a guy you're going to sit no matter what. So it, these quarterbacks, it's it, I talked to one source that tells me, look, they're going early. I mean, I, I guarantee you that. I talked to another source that I trust implicitly, and he says, I just don't see how these quarterbacks go top 10. So, I, I mean, it's it, it's really – it's hard to figure it out when there's so much uh, conflicting uh, feelings around the league where these quarterbacks are going to end up. You have it, Malik Willis, sixteen uh, to the Saints, uh, and then you have Kenny. Can Pickett, I tell you? 20. Can I? I'll pull. Let me pull the curtains back. Okay. I had it, Malik Willis, thirteen to the Lions for a while. Mm. Trading back from two there, or trading up for the thirty-two. Trading up from thirty-two. Okay. Because I went through the draft chart, so I went through Rich. So I'm just going to go through process here. I went through Rich Hill's. Um, Draft Tech captures pulp, uh, Pat's pulpit, Rich Hill, right? He's he's done the 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 newest version of the trade capital, draft trade capital, not Jimmy Johnson's old one, but this is a more updated version. And, you know, based on – so I, I did two things here. I looked at what the Chicago Bears and a similar – you know, Bears moved from 20 to 11 last year. The Bears gave up quite a bit to get their hands on Justin Fields. So I'm looking at the trade. Um, I'm looking at the uh, the trade chart, and the trade chart's telling me that Cle- that Detroit can move from 32 to 13, and all they have to do is give up their second round pick uh, from this year. It's an early second rounder, and they should be good. And or maybe it was even, yeah, yeah, the second rounder from this year. And I just thought, God, if I'm Houston, I want more for the 13th pick then moving to 32 and getting the 34th pick of the second round. I know that's what the trade chart says, but that's not actually what happened when the bears moved from 20 to 11 last year to get their hands on Justin Fields. And so for a long time I had, I just said, well, I'll just figure out the, you know, the compensation is the compensation. And I really could see 
the Lions saying, you know what? We were feisty all year long. We like our running back. We like our tight end, Hawkinson, while he's on a rookie deal. We think we're ready to go win some games. We're going to get Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker with the first two pick, you know, with, with our second pick. Let's move up and be aggressive and let's go get our quarterback of the future and let them sit behind Jared Goff or maybe even compete for playing time by the midpoint of the season. And I still think that's a possibility, but I just, after about five hours of letting it sit there, I just said, you know what? I just don't see the Texans moving from 13 all the way back to 32. And so that was one of the times I had to blow up my draft. And then I thought, well, so the Saints 16, if I have quarterback getting all the way to 16, would the Saints take Malik Willis? Because if they do, you're going to have the Chargers sitting right behind them taking Trevor Penning because they need a right tackle. Mm -hmm. And the Saints also need a left tackle. And so I thought, well, I could take Penning at 16 because this is what goes into a mock draft. We're trying to think for multiple teams. So I said I could take Penning at 16 and try to get slick and wait for Malik Willis at 19. But my thought process there was, you know, would the Saints pass on Malik Willis if he were still available at 16, even if that wasn't their anticipation that they would take the quarterback? And ultimately, I decided, okay, let's play it out with the Saints taking Willis, and then I'm going to take away the Saints' opportunity to get a left tackle, and then I'm going to have to, you know, let the, the chips fall where they may. And so, you know, 16, honestly, Dane, in talking to one of the things that happens when I start talking to teams later in the process, like now, I find out that they have guys graded, certain guys graded the same way I saw them. And it wasn't the same as maybe the draft media has had mm-hmm. them. And it's, and it's always hard to block out the noise and have confidence in your evaluations. But when that starts happening, I start saying, well, wait a minute now. I need to go back and maybe not panic about moving this player up or that player up because of media noise. I need to trust my evaluations and trust my eyes when I've seen the tape because I feel like I'm pretty good at evaluating. So why don't I trust that some teams will see it similar to me? So I think ultimately I don't think the tape – I don't think the tape says any quarterback's a top 10 quarterback. So I'm going to stick with that. I do think that we are going to see some trades and somebody is going to come up and come get a quarterback. It could be the Lions. It could be the Steelers. Maybe it could be the Saints. But I do think that someone is going to snap up a quarterback uh, before the 16th pick ultimately. Yeah, you know, it's and a lot of times try to follow breadcrumbs when it comes to mock drafts and um, just – Looking at who has done the most work on these quarterbacks, uh, Steelers, unsurprisingly, they've done a ton of work on these quarterbacks. They, they've taken each one of these quarterbacks out to dinner, wine and dined them. Um, you know, the uh, ownership was in meetings at the combine. Like the, the Steelers are all in on drafting a quarterback. Um, the Panthers have ton, done a lot of work on these quarterbacks. Uh, I think that's a trait. By the way, I think the Panthers would be more than happy to trade back and take a quarter. 100%. Oh, they've, yeah, they've laid the ground. Because they don't have that. a second. Absolutely. They not Yeah, not only do they want more draft capital in the, on day two or draft capital period on day two, They if they, if they really want to draft a quarterback, they'd rather do it at 13 or 14 and not in the top 10, top six. So uh, there's no question. They, they've I, I know for a fact they have made those calls and, you know, setting the – hopefully for their sake – setting the groundwork for that. I mean, time will tell if they're able to pull that off or not. Um, I, you know, and it, it's something that uh, we have to remember too, that the opinions on these quarterbacks, uh, these quarterbacks and these players in general are so different from team to team. I know one team that has Jamison Williams as their number one receiver on their board. He is at the top, clear cut top receiver in this draft. Uh, you talk to other teams and, you know, he might be fourth or fifth among these among these receivers. So it just, it just it depends on what you're looking for. Uh, you know, each scouting eye is different. Um, and it's just this, this draft, especially with the way things shake out. So um, let, let's keep it going here with some of your picks. Uh, like I said, quarterback Malik Willis at 16 to the Saints. Kenny Pickett, 20 to the Steelers. Uh, you know, that, that's an interesting fit, obviously, with Pickett, you know, playing in Heinz Field uh, for the Pitt Panthers. That, that's that's something that uh, you know you, you could see happening. Um, 
I, I like some of your picks in the teens. I think that there's there's natural fits. Carl Loftus at 14 to the Ravens just makes a ton of sense. Uh, I, I really like penning to the Chargers. Again, just makes a ton of sense. Uh, you have Traylon Burks to the Eagles. I like that quite a bit. Jamison Williams to the Saints. Uh, I believe that's what I have in my mock draft as well. Um, so I um, let me just tell you some some things that I had happen. So I had the Packers moving up for uh, mm. I had the Packers moving up and drafting um, Traylon Burks at one point. I had them flip flopping going to the Chargers, and like I said, I went back and forth. I had them moving up to the Chargers. When I had 16 initially, when I had Penning being drafted by the Saints initially, I moved, I said, I had the Chargers saying, well, screw this, and moving back to number 22, and then having, because a lot of times that's what happened with teams. If a team has a player they want, get jacked right before they pick, they'll just trade back. Mm -hmm. And so I had them trading back. I had the Packers trading up to grab a receiver for Aaron Rodgers. I let that sit there for a while, but once I, once I altered the Malik Willis, then I had to, I had to undo that trade because I think the Chargers will take a tackle. I think they'll view tackle as that important that they would trade, that they would turn down trade requests. Um, I had Traylon Burks at different times. I had him with the Eagles, and then another time I had him with the Saints at 16. So I bounced him back and forth. But the more I, you know, after we were done with the combine and after we we're done with him, maybe his pro day not being as Great at testing pro day. You know what? He's a good football player. He's got good body control. He's big. He's great with the ball in his hands. I think he's going to be a good pro player. I had to trust my evaluation. I think Jamison, Jamison Williams was the top wide receiver to me when I watched tape until the injury. And the second best, Traylon Burks. Or it was actually very close, actually. Both were, mm. were neck and neck. I thought they were both better uh, by a pretty decent amount from the next wide receivers, personally. So... Um, but one guy has an ACL injury and another guy, you know, you have to be okay with the type of wide receiver he is. Cause Burks is a little different type of wide receiver, but I felt like those were, I felt like those were pretty good fits. It just took a while for me to get there because there's so many, I think the middle of the first has a lot of different combinations that would make sense. But Karloftis to the Ravens is one that I think felt like the most natural when I put that together. And that's the first time I've put those that player with that team going into the 20s you have a trade so the only trade in this mock correct i had three and then i knocked it down to one <laughs> so your trade that you do have in your final mock here uh, uh you have the uh, the chiefs trading up with the cardinals so going from 29 to 23 the Chiefs going up to get Olave, uh, which, you know, the Chiefs obviously moving on, uh, trading uh, Tyreek Hill and the, bringing on another receiver, going and get Chris Olave, which, I mean, him and Mahomes, I mean, I don't know, insert receiver here with Mahomes and it's going to be fun. But Well, Chris I had Olave, him initially. I had him initially trade. I had someone tell me, plug the Chiefs in with Jameson Williams. And they also mm -hmm. told me Jameson Williams is going way before I had him. So. Yeah. I had I had them trading up for Jamison Williams, but I don't know. You've I think I've got Jamison. Who did I have taking Jamison Williams? The Saints, 19, right? Saints. Yeah. So that's when I had to blow up. I was like, okay, well, now Brett Veach, I don't feel like going and changing. So sorry, Brett, you just traded up for Chris Olave. Well, and it's interesting you have the Packers passing on uh, Olave for Jordan Davis. Um, but then coming back, they get their receiver at 28, uh, Green Bay, going with Christian Watson, who... Here's my thought. Let me tell you my thought process on that and see if you agree with that. I think a team will go in, they'll have their board, Green Bay will say, wow, this guy is a special talent, special traits, can stop the run. Let's draft him because we already know we like Christian Watson. And so sometimes when you have your board the way you like it, you can anticipate that another player will be available if you have two picks. Mm -hmm. And so they may have had Chris Olave or Jamison Williams, but I think if Jordan Davis is still on the board, they may say, you know what, let's go to plan B, let's take Jordan Davis here, and let's go get the other guy that actually fits what the Green Bay Packers have looked at in years past at that position, a bigger wide receiver. I just couldn't get comfortable with the Olave um, outside replacing Devontae Adams' size with Chris Olave, who's not a big physical guy. I felt okay with trading up for Traylon Burks, but mm -hmm. 
But I just, something about Alave doesn't feel like the body type fit of what they may be looking for. So I went with the vertical guy who is a little more angular, but who has height, weight, speed. And so if that was the case, if they like Watson, then I feel like they could get Jordan Davis and take their chances that Watson would be back there at 28. Yeah, and I think it all comes down to how big of a gap do they see between Olave and Watson. If it's not a big gap, then sure. I mean, that that makes perfect sense. And that's, I mean, Christian Watson I struggle with a little bit just because I... I do too. I, I mean, he, there's a lot to like traits-wise. I mean, he's he's absolutely killed it, this, this draft process. But, I mean, too many drops. He's still very raw as a route runner. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I have questions there. But a guy that has that type of ability would not be a surprise at all if he ends up going top 32. Um, so you have the Chiefs moving up to 23, Cardinals moving back to 29, picking up Brees Hall there, the only running back you have in the first round. So it's interesting. They pay James Conner, and then they come back and draft a first-round running back. So they're going, what, two two back sets uh, and just uh, going to have some fun in that, with that Arizona offense? Well, I think Connor at this, it, Connor is still a guy who's a hammer in the short yardage stuff. But I also don't think James Connor is a long-term solution at all. And I think Brees Hall, at the end of the day, is a full-package running back who can run, who can catch. I mean, he's he can catch it. He's a first, second, third down back. Um, I think he can be a bell cow back for you. You know, James Connor was the running back that they needed on the in the short term, but he's not nearly as dynamic. And for me, I. I believe that you look at best that you look at the best fit for what you're trying to do. I could see cornerback in that spot as well. Honestly, I could mm-hmm. I could see them looking at a Kyler Gordon. I've got Andrew Booth falling out of the first, and yeah. I think in- there's going to be related? problems. Yeah, I think the yeah. medical. I think having two different surgeries on on uh, you know the the sports hernia or the the issue he has with the core muscle stuff. That's a concern for me. I think that may end up being a concern for teams. I would definitely have him in the first, if not for that. And it's one of the reasons I I, I snuck Kyler Gordon into the first, besides the fact that I'm being told he's a first-round guy. So I put him in the first. But um, I thought about cornerback. I thought about wide receiver. I couldn't find the right wide receiver for them at that spot. And I wasn't comfortable with cornerback. So I went with an I went with frankly just a really good player who I think can help take some pressure off Kyler Murray because I think I think they need to find you can find a wide receiver somewhere else but you really need to take some pressure off Kyler Murray because I just think it's the more you ask of him I think the less you're ultimately going to get from a consistency basis. Yeah, and I I think that. Um... I agree with you on, on Booth. I, I I did not include him in my first round either. Um, durability uh, that that's that's the main factor there. Um, so looking at who you don't have in this first round mock, there's no Tyler um, Linderbaum. I'm sad. I'm sad about it. But everyone in mock drafts have yelled at me the whole year for putting him at the back end of the first. But the fact is, he's got sub 32 arms. He's a smaller guy. He's a zone scheme center. That's a lot of, and you, you have to have a team that runs zone, who's okay with some of the measurables, and who runs, uh, and who needs center. Like that's, that's really, that's really narrowing the field of, of teams who are going to draft the center. I think that type of center. So I wanted to put him in. I mean, I think he's a top ten to twelve talent in this year's draft. I just had a hard time finding a place for him. Yep, and that's that's the struggle with him. Um, and he did work out actually this week. Uh, was finally able to uh, getting back from was it the foot or the ankle. Um, and he he looked good. He had a sub five second forty yard dash. Uh, it was thirty two in the vert, uh, seven one four in the three cones. So just tremendous numbers. Oh, those which are really good numbers. Which expected. I mean, it, it, that's that's yeah. the tape shows a really good athlete. It's just it's when you're facing a defensive lineman that's got 34 inch arms. Uh, you know, it's just it's a matter of uh, uh, of, of physics. You know, it's just it, it, it can be tough uh, against NFL interior pass rush. Uh, it, we know we could, what he can do as a mover, as a, a finisher in the run game. So it, it'll be interesting. I in my mock, I've I still got him. At, I'm, I'm keeping him at 31. I, I know the Bengals have made some uh, additions but you know they can still move some guys to guard and i i don't I, i'm still i'm still going to keep him there at 31 but I, I would not be surprised at all if it ends up like you have it and he falls so, out of the first round 
so I wanted to do that, Dane. I just thought that they'd pull a little CYA on Jackson Carmen. I'm not a, I'm not sold on Jackson Carmen. I think mm-hmm. Karras could obviously slide to a guard position. They have who was the other one they added? Zeit? No, uh, who was the other guard that they added? Oh, uh, uh, Alex Kappa. Yeah, Alex Kappa. Yeah. So I just I just thought I'm just not 100 percent sold that they're gonna quit on Jackson Carmen. Sure. Uh, or that they're gonna have Karras not play not play uh, uh, the center position. So yeah. I, I totally get uh, getting away from that. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. Um, last pick here in, in the first round, you have the Detroit Lions going with a quarterback, Matt Corral. Um, I'm not surprised you have a quarterback uh, going at 32. I am a little surprised it's Corral. Why did you go with the old Miss quarterback here? Well, I feel like Desmond Ritter might be the better fit. I also think the Lions could try to trade up, but – I went with my evaluation. I've mm-hmm. got uh, Corral as the better football player, and I th- I think that when you watch the tape, you can – Ritter's going to check a lot of intangible boxes, but Ritter does have some inconsistencies from a placement and accuracy standpoint that don't really make sense to me considering his mechanics are pretty good and his f- footwork's pretty good. I think the guy who is the, the natural playmaker and play extender is more Matt Corral – um, I think he gives you a chance to run a variety of different types of, of offenses because of his ball handling and, and quick release and, uh, or, you know, passing schemes, I should say. So I just went with a guy that I had rated higher. That, that was pretty much all. And that's, that's the reason I went with Corral. The, the traits would tell you um, Ritter, but I just think that the better quarterback talent by a little bit is Corral. That was the only reason. Yep. I, I totally get that. Um, all right. So, Make sure you check out Lance's mock. Go to NFL.com, find it, um, and uh, find the rest of those picks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before we hop off here, I did want to touch a little bit on some of the, the, those bargain bins I was talking about. Um, I, I think that you know one of the maybe this is low hanging fruit. Speaking of uh, of Linderbaum, but if you you know one of, if one of these teams really likes Linderbaum and they decide not to go that direction in the first round, which several teams that's that's the direction they will probably go. Cam Jurgens is the guy on day two that I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of their movements, in terms of the play personality. But here's the thing with Jurgens is he has uh, his his arms are uh, two inches longer, uh, and yep. he's also a heavier athlete by uh, you know close to ten pounds. So it, it's something that is you know is he the better player right now? No, no. Tyler Linderbaum is the better player. But if you're looking for that similar style, and Jurgens does have upside. He's a guy that started playing the center position three years ago. Uh, he was number 49 overall in my my top 100. That's in the draft guide. Um, I, I still think there's a good chance he goes uh, day two, or excuse me, second round. Uh, so if you like Tyler Linderbaum and you don't get him in the first, looking at, and let's just say Linderbaum goes 31 or 34 or you know in that range. So he's not falling to the 40s or anything like that. If you're picking in the, the 40s or the 50s uh, and you're looking for that type of center, Cam Jurgens is going to be on your radar. Yeah, I like it. Um, I'm not as high on Jurgens as most others are. I'm probably low man. A lot of people like Jurgens more. Um, I like Linderbaum more, but that's not what we're talking about here. And you are right. The length, the testing, because he tested really well too. He's a good athlete. And the size, he's a bigger, longer version of Linderbaum. I don't think he's as talented, but he is athletic and I can completely see people passing on one guy in the first to draft another guy on day two. What about this one? What if you like Trayvon Walker Mm -hmm. in the first, but okay. So by your guys, I think Trayvon goes early, but let's just say Trayvon doesn't go first, but there's Detroit with the second pick. What about Detroit deciding maybe Enigbare mm. in the third round instead of the first as a big, strong, long-arm, physical defender that you try to coach up as a rusher off the edge. 
a discount version of Trayvon Walker. Yeah, obviously doesn't have the same twitch or same not, uh, not the same athlete. Right, exactly. But in terms of body type, uh, he has over 34 inch arms. Uh, it was interesting because Enigbare was 258 at the combine, but he was 271 at the pro day. Uh, he also ran a little bit slower at the pro day, but still, uh, you know, he's a guy that, it, but he's got some explosion to him. He, he was saying 36 and a half in the vert. Uh, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that's, that's nothing to scoff at for a guy that's that, that size. Um, and I, I think that's, we're, again, we're talking about a third rounder for a reason. So, you know, Trevon Walker's going to be a top 10 pick and Barry's probably going to be a third round pick. I, I think that that matches up in terms of a lot of things you're looking for. And, and Igbari, you know, has better production. Uh, you know, he he has at least seven sacks each of the last three years. Um, and he's still a relatively young player, just turned 22 years old. So it's not a case of, uh, you know, a guy that's been in college for five years. Um, so uh, I, I like that one. Um, here's one for you. So we talked about Jamison Williams um, and, you know, the ACL. And if you're scared off by that ACL, at least at the price of a mid first round pick, um, you know, say, okay, we're going to, we're not going to draft, but you want that style of receiver. So it's not like you're just going to Traylon Burks or, uh, one of these other guys. If you wait, I think that, uh, Danny Gray out of SMU could be a guy that interests you, uh, later on is that style of player. Is he on the same level as Jamison Williams? No, not, not even close. Not few athletes are, but Danny Gray is a legit low four, three, type of speed guy and i've said this before but if there's a darnell mooney in this draft i think it will be danny gray a guy that uh what i loved about gray's tape is he makes plays at every level of uh, of the field where he's not just a take off the top of the defense type of guy he can take uh, you know short passes and he can give you that yak he can work the intermediate side of the field uh he can work over top uh, secondary and, and win deep is he the best finisher? No, too many drops. Uh, you know, is he as a route runner? Is he polished? Uh, not quite. He's getting there. But again, this is we're talking about probably an early fourth round pick, maybe late third with Danny Gray. So you know, you're, you're, he's going to have his warts compared to a Jamison Williams. But if you're looking for that style of player, I think it matches up. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good one, and that's one that. With his speed and with his fluidity, because he's a very fluid athlete. As a matter of fact, I think he's less linear than Jamison mm-hmm. Williams. I think he has a guy to that he's a guy that can run maybe a little bit more exotic route tree for you than a Jamison Williams would. So I think that's a pretty good one there. Danny Gray is a guy who I think goes. Um, my guess is early day three, somewhere in the fourth round, is where I would uh, where I've got him projected right now. You're pretty good at this, Dane. <laughs> um, that's 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 a pretty good one. I can see Danny Gray going in the uh, in the fourth round. I think he's a fourth round type wide receiver, and uh, uh, yeah, that's that's not a bad one. I was looking at running backs to see if I could hit you with one, but okay, you know, they, there is. I got one running back. T- okay, go ahead. All right, uh, two SEC backs. So, say you really want that that change of pace guy that you could line up out wide that you can uh you know use in different ways um uh, but you don't want to pay that or let's say you really want James Cook and you're sitting in mid fourth round oh i'm i'm looking i'm digging around here okay to you, see you, if you, i can find you really want James Cook to see if Cook, i can find him but he say he goes off the board five picks before you you're heartbroken because that's the style of back that you wanted just wait oh. wait one more round you, and take do you go to Missouri? That's exactly it. Tyler Beatty at Missouri, uh, who is probably going to go fifth or sixth round and line him up out wide. He can do that. He's also going to, you know, he can uh, take take a, uh, you know, not a bell cow guy, but he can uh, take his share of uh, the handoffs and uh, work the middle of the field. He can work outside. I think James Cook is the better player. But again, if I just miss out on James Cook, I feel pretty good about Plan B and and uh, Tyler Beatty a round or two I, later. I, I swear to you, this is no lie. I've got James Cook with a six point one five grade, which is um, high end backup, low end starter. Basically, he's a specialty player, like you said. Right. Um, and I've got round projection on him third. Beatty, I've got a six point one four, which is basically Ooh. the same grade, yeah. and I've got a round projection of fifth round on him. 
There you so go. So I've got him get going in the fifth, but I think as a player, I think he's pretty close to being on the same level as James Cook as an overall player. Cook's a little more explosive, but Beatty actually, actually, now that I say that, when Beatty catches it in space, zoom, he's gone. Yeah. Like yeah. that dude can go. Yeah, yeah, he can. He, absolutely. And so, again, that's why I, I would be bummed to miss out on James Cook, but I feel pretty good about that play at B. And again, it's probably around later that I could get him and still feel pretty good about that. So um, I, I do like that one. One of my favorites at tight end, too, is uh, so Greg Dolchik, one of the best tight ends in this class. Uh, you know, he's probably going to go somewhere on day two. Let's say you just miss out on him. Who's a guy that you could wait, let's say, later rounds and still feel good Same about Same type? The, yeah, similar type of guy. Hold on. Uh, and this is this is a little bit off the radar guy. No, a non-combine guy. So a non-combine guy. Yeah, a little off the radar. Ooh, ooh, wow. A non-combine guy. So yep. we're looking at that long, linear guy with speed. And if that's what you're going for, you wouldn't say – I don't think you'd say it's Lucas Kroll. No. Nope. And it's not going to be Amari Rodgers, the nope. quarterback turned wide receiver from Ohio. Non-combine guy. There were a lot of combine guys. I don't have one. Let's see. Curtis Hodges. Garrett Garrett Prince? That's it. UAB. You got it. Yeah. Garrett think, Prince straight it, down the field. Exa- yak. He can, he can win the seam. Uh, size-wise, they're pretty similar. I mean, 6'4", two, low 240s. Uh, Prince ran Did you a see fo- what he ran? He ran a four seven six. Uh, at Do you the pro see that day. on tape? Well, I talked to Garrett after his pro day, and he's hurt, and he's like, "I okay. shouldn't have run." He's like, there, "There's no way I should have ran." There's no as way a, he's a four seven. He's way no, faster than exactly. That. And he told me that he originally they planned on him running again, but he said by the time I think it's his hammy, by the time his hamstrings back and and healthy, like because uh, he actually I think he heard it during Shrine practice. And he just tweaked it a little bit. And then he started training for like the 40 and all that. And he tweaked it again. So he, instead of trying to rush back and run a 40, another 40 yard dash, he's just, he's not going to run. He's going to sit on that four, seven, six, which kills him because he knows he's a four, six guy at the very least. Um, and so I, I think that Garrett Prince, who I've got, I think like in the sixth round in that range, uh, there's a lot of similarities. Again, discount version of what a lot of things that Greg Dolchik can offer. Yeah, um, I was a big fan of his early in the process, but he um, I don't think he's had a great draft season, and so I've steadily moved his rating down. But that's Talking good information Dolchik to get from you. Or Prince. No, 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 Prince. Okay. Because Prince is Prince is basically just a vertical guy. Like he is extremely yeah. raw. But his explosiveness on tape is it's impressive. Like he has the ability to to really, really threaten the seam. So um I think he is I think that's a great call. I think there's a good chance Garrett Prince goes undrafted because of his four seven. Yeah. Four. He's not a he's not a blocker at all. And if you're going to be a pass catching wide receiver, you need to be faster than the four seven. So, um, and and he is very raw and developmental. So I could see him going undrafted. But that's a good call because that is a guy that has third level tight end. Like there's only a few of those guys in this year's draft, and he would definitely be one of them. I got what about one. I've got one for you okay. at running back, real quick. All right. How about instead of Zamir White, I'm going to go Zaquandre White, mm. who is another explosive five-star caliber athlete. Uh, big, like Zamir White. Yeah. He's got some power. Yeah. Uh, upright. They've got some similarities there. But he is that same type of explosive back, but he's not as polished as Zamir White is. And, I, th- I mean, yeah, I think Zamir you're going to get on day two. I think Zaquandre is going to fall to the fifth, maybe sixth round, actually, is where I could see him going. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he fell to the seventh just because there's so many running backs in this. It's it's crazy yeah. how many running backs there are, and everyone's going to have a different, you know, what they prefer and what they like. And so, yeah, it's it's really hard to stack these running backs. But, yeah, I think that one makes sense. Yeah, two upright backs that – they if when they're out in space they can move i mean they they uh especially with zamir white if it weren't for those two acl injuries i think we'd be talking about him maybe a little bit more um i the only i think the only big difference between the two is 
I, I you know, I, White gives you a little more make you miss um, because he just he's so bouncy with the way he moves. Where Zamir White's at more, um, you know, pound it, pound it. He's just he's just gonna you know go forward with speed and toughness. Um, but I think body type wise, that makes sense. I think um, it, with you know the discount that you're talking about, I think that makes a ton mm -hmm. of sense. Um, Obviously, you know, honestly, the running style, Dane, is actually more like Kenneth Walker, where you have no mm -hmm. idea which direction he's actually going to go. <laughs> Kenneth Walker, I don't care where you are supposed to block it. Right. He might he might stay in that gap, but there's a pretty good chance that he's not going to stay in that gap. And actually, that's what it feels like watching Zaquandre White as well. Yeah. And, and Walker, I think, just has better instincts when it comes to that. Like m more times than not, he's making the right decision by the, you know, with whatever he ends up doing, because uh, he just has a great feel for. All right. What's what's the best chance of success here? Um, I've got two more and then we'll 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 uh, we'll go here. Uh, George Karloftis, uh, who's going to go somewhere in the mid first. If you miss out on him, but really like what he offers, uh, you're in. So you wait till day two. Josh Pascal from Kentucky. I mean, I'm, that was the same one I was going to do. Was <laughs> it? There you go. That's a great one. Yes, that's a hundred percent the one I was going to do. Well, I mean, and when you compare them, like they're, I think the only difference is really when you just talking about their testing numbers and their measurables. Uh, Karloftis is like an inch taller, and that's about, that's about it. Like everything else is very, it lines up very similar with how they test. They both ran four seven seven in the forty yard dash. Uh, they're, they're, uh, you know, size wise, length wise, neither are long armed guys. They're just, you know, both a hair under 33 inches. Um, you know, their verticals are similar. Uh, neither ran the three cone probably for a reason. So I, I think if you don't get Carl Loftus, but that's a style of player that you want, Josh Pascal could be that guy second or third round. Now, are you playing him at, are you playing four, three in? Do you think he could play three, four, five technique? Because um, I tell you where I could see this going in a, in a in a slightly different direction. Because once again, I came up with that same thing, and their their play demeanor, their strength, their toughness, exactly the same. Yes. I think the one thing that could be different is when you look at the lower you look at the lower body of Pascal, and you look at how Pascal plays. Mm. I can envision a world where he gains twenty pounds and becomes a three technique. Where I could also envision a world where Karloftis loses about five pounds and is an every down stand and he did it plenty at Purdue already is a stand up three four outside linebacker so that's the one difference is I could see one guy transitioning down to a three technique where the other guy is more likely to stay four three in uh or three four outside backer yep that makes total sense all right last one for you uh Kyle Hamilton a little bit of a unique dude so it's okay. kind of weird Tyson Anderson no, the, the late uh, rounds. Late rounds are undrafted. Uh, this is a non-combine guy. Okay, uh, what about, it was Corker a combine guy? Yeah, he was. Okay. Similar so body see. types, almost identical body types. So it's rare. I mean, this it, is the biggest draft geek thing that we've ever done. <laughs> no, it's great. I could do this forever. Like, we're going after, okay, no, go into 300s. Go into your 300 players. Oh, okay, <laughs> let me see. All right, let's see. Um what about um, how tall is six four over six four and over two twenty? Turner Yale's not that big. Let's see, no. he's a combine guy also. Over six four, it's not Reed Blankenship. Um, he wasn't that tall. This guy's over six four. He was he was in Mobile. You might have him at linebacker. Oh, um, Wanye. Nope. And it's not Tariq Carpenter. Uh-uh. Oh, no, no. It, it is Tariq Carpenter, I bet. Mm-mm. It's not. Nope. So but that, it's not that, that Tyson Anderson. It's not because Tariq Carpenter, I feel. You're sure it's not Tariq Carpenter? No, he, he Tariq Carpenter's my, my highest graded non-combined safety. But I've got, him a li I've got him a linebacker, by the way. I'm projecting him linebacker. Yeah. Um, well, 6'3", 230, yeah. Yeah. And I then Wanye. It. So it's not Wanye. Uh-uh. Golly, I uh the Mac. looking over this. It's somebody with some action. Uh let's see, where are we going for the Mac? Did you write somebody up that I've got to write up now and I didn't write this player up? He was a senior bowl. All guy. right. You gotta tell me who. Sterling Weatherford, Miami of Ohio. 
Ah, uh, yeah. So, so I, like, I have him, I think, at, at will linebacker, I think. Okay, yeah. And some teams do, absolutely. Uh, Sterling Weatherford. So, Kyle Hamilton, 604-1-220. Weatherford, 604-0-224. I mean, almost identical size. Uh, they both ran identical 4.59s in the 40-yard dash. Uh, they're three cones, almost identical. Kyle Hamilton, 690. Weatherford, 693. Uh, they're short shuttles. Uh, a tenth of a second off. Uh, Weatherford was 4-3-3. Hamilton, 4-3-2. Their jumps were similar. Weatherford was 36. Hamilton was 38. Um, so across the board, I mean, they're very similar athletes. Uh, and we're talking about Kyle Hamilton, who will be a uh, first-round pick for somewhere probably, uh, I would guess, in the early teens. And Sterling Weatherford, who's not a guarantee to be drafted. Uh, and a big part of that is where you play him. So it's just it's an interesting how similar they tested and the body types and the measurables, but how different we look at them. Um, and, and obviously the tape is very different, um, but it is interesting when you match them up just with the, on, on those raw numbers. Yeah. Um, I just didn't think he was for me. I just didn't love the player, but from uh, yeah, a body type here. standpoint, yeah. you know, it's interesting because I had already plugged him in at linebacker and that's, mm-hmm. that's actually the problem. Some people have, I did NFL network hit with Mark Ross uh, formerly of the Giants, and I and I I really love Mark, and he said, you know, his problem is he's having the Isaiah Simmons issue with mm. with uh, with Hamilton. Is he a safety or is he a linebacker? When you have that size, that's going to be the problem, and you got to be something. You can't just be a jack of all trades in the NFL. You got to be right. good at something. Right. All right. That'll do it for uh, for us today. Uh, this is a fun episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Please subscribe. Uh, please review. We really do appreciate it. Make sure you're uh, reading Lance's work at NFL.com. Check out his new mock draft that's up right now. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. You can get my draft guide, get the beast. Uh, that is out and available for all subscribers. Uh, I promise you will not be disappointed by that. Uh, and we've got a few more weeks here. We're, we're closing in on the draft. So we got a few more things that we need to talk about uh, over these next few weeks. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for reviewing. We'll talk to you next week. This was the Athletic Football Show.